is incomplete. It's like Paul goes dot, 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 like he leaves you hanging. And then he goes, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, not by doing stuff, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Some translations say workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is an amazing passage. I love how it paints so clearly the gospel of Jesus. Paul starts off with this, this problem, this problem of sin. We're under the influence of the devil, he says. We're born again in Christ to do good works because we're his workmanship. Friends, we, we can't let this truth grow dull in our lives. God has made us into a new creation. We're different. He's put his Holy Spirit inside us. I don't know how that works. That's what the Bible teaches. and That's what I know to be true. And so the wrath and the fury of God's judgment that was aimed at you and aimed at me, Jesus has intercepted it. And the punishment for my sin and your sin was poured out on Jesus as he hung and as he died on the cross. An innocent man died so that guilty men could be made alive. God knew that no amount of good works or decent behavior or noble intentions or selfless altruism could ever bridge the divide between man and God that Satan and our sin had introduced. Nothing we can do. We can't get right with God on our own. And God knows this. And so he takes the initiative and he comes to earth and he dies and he is the sacrifice for our sin. He masterminds this plan to provide rescue for all mankind. To as many as who will believe, he gives the right to become children of God. God himself resolves the problem. God, this is kind of weird, but God makes right with God on our behalf because we couldn't. Do you see how amazing this grace is? This is staggering what God has done. A couple of points this morning. Number one, we are all spiritually dead. Fact. In our unregenerate state, before we met Christ, we're spiritually dead. We're actually all born spiritually dead because of Adam and Eve's original sin. God said to them in the garden, don't eat of this one tree because if you do, you'll surely die. And the devil twists God's word and says, did God really say that? 
I'm sure you won't die. In fact, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because when you do, your eyes will be opened and you'll become like God. Isn't that sin, us wanting to become like God? And so they eat and they sin. And when they ate, they didn't die physically at that moment. But there was something that died inside them. Spiritual death. And that's passed on to all of us. The condition of mankind because of sin is one of death. For the wages of sin is death, Romans teaches. It's quite a strong thing to say, hey. Might be thinking, hey, Glendon, back up a bit. It's Sunday morning. I'm still waking up. I've only had two coffees. <laughs> but friends, we need to realize how deep is humanity's problem. Otherwise, we try and look for superficial answers. We are dead apart from Christ. And it's not our circumstances that are wrong. We're dead. It's human nature itself. We're insensitive. We're unresponsive to God. We've got no longing or no appetite for him. There are plenty of people who, you know, they're religious. They've got ideas about God. They might even think they like God. But, but actually, there's no appetite for the God of the Bible. Humans, we're not just a little bit sick and need to get better. It's not like we're kind of naughty and need to be made good. We're dead. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. In fact, it needed the, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It needed to be at work in you and me to raise us to spiritual life. That's how severe the problem is. Sin and our spiritual death was such a big problem that the only remedy, hear this, the only remedy to reconcile God to man was the death of Jesus, the Son of God. That's how big a deal your sin is and my sin is. There's no other way to be restored to God than for Jesus to have died. St. Augustine one of the church fathers, he, he describes the state of man and the progression of man through these four stages and these little phrases. He says, Adam and Eve, before the fall, they were sinless, right? But they were able to sin. And they did. We know that. And then after the fall, mankind is not able to not sin. In other words, we can't help sinning. We, we sin all the time. It's our nature. But then Jesus comes, we put our faith in him and we're born again, Christ followers, and it's possible that we're able to not sin. It's possible with the Holy Spirit in us and a new heart being made alive to live in holiness. And one day when, when we're in heaven or we're in the new earth, the very presence of sin will be gone. No temptation, we will be not able to sin. So he says, able to sin, not able to not sin, able to not sin, and not able to sin. You got that? Yeah, it's basic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy stuff. <laughs> and friends, this spiritual death is the reason why self-help self -help books 
psychology, meditation, the pursuit of happiness, sex, drugs, rock and roll, wealth, success, fame, why none of those things can ever fulfill us. In fact, the more you pursue them, the more they leave you empty and hollow inside. They can't compensate for that feeling in the pit of your stomach where you try and think about life after death. They can't take away that gnawing feeling. When you look around and you realize there's more to life than that's on planet Earth, or that, that sick feeling in your stomach when you think of your sin, those things can't take it away because we're dead. Severe problem, amen? Number two, the devil is at work. Paul says that we're under the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Before we're in Christ, the devil has influence over us. Satan or, or Lucifer, the Bible uses those words for him. And contrary to popular belief, he's very much alive, very much real, very much evil, and very much opposed to the things and the people of God. Friends, we have an enemy the devil. He goes about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 1 Peter 5 says, he shoots flaming arrows at us, Ephesians 6 says. In other words, he attacks us directly. He's the father of lies, John chapter 8 says. He's lying to us all the time. Sometimes it comes through other people's words. You'll never amount to anything. Who could ever love you? You're not good enough. You failed again, just like last time, and just like you're going to do it again in the future. Just give up now. Why bother? There's no hope trying. He deceives us. He tries to distort the image of God in our lives. God's angry with you. That's why X and Y happened. He's punishing you. God doesn't care about you. That's why he doesn't answer your prayers. God let that tragedy happen because he's not really powerful. He can't stop tragic things from unfolding. He distorts the image of God in our minds. He tempts us into sin. Sometimes it's obvious big temptations like cash lying around for those who battle with theft or who are in poverty. Like a pornography pop-up on your phone for those who battle with lust. Sometimes it's in your face, it's obvious. Also, it can be very subtle. He will keep us so busy with life and work and stuff that we forget to read the Bible. We forget to pray. We forget to worship and we drift from God. Or we drift from our spouse and our marriage starts to crumble. Or we forget to come to life group. Or church, and this fellowship and beautiful community, this body we should be part of, starts to erode. And little bit by little bit, we just drift from the faith. The devil's ways can be subtle. Don't look like the devil. Doesn't look like an obvious attack. Sometimes he strokes our ego with success and fame. Makes us proud and arrogant. I'm a self-made man. Look what I've done. Look what my hands have built. We get puffed up thinking we've done this thing. 
Sometimes he magnifies our fears to such an extent that our faith is frozen. And we live in fear. We make decisions in fear, not in faith. The devil takes the good things that God has made. Our kids, our career, our sexuality, our hobbies, our stuff. And he turns them into idols that we bow down and worship. And it displaces Christ from the throne. Friends, let us not think the devil is idly standing by as we go through life. He's at work. And I'm not saying that to scare us, because praise God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The name of Jesus is all powerful. I'm not trying to make us scared. But some Christians, like, oh, the devil's not real, just imaginary. For children's books, you know, we, we don't realize that he's trying to take us off course. Some of us are on the other end of the spectrum. We see the devil in every bad thing that happens. You want to pray in tongues over your washing machine that broke? Do you think the devil's out to get you? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just a mechanical failure, probably. <laughs> We follow Jesus. We don't give the devil airtime he doesn't need. <laughs> follow Christ. Number three, God's great love triumphs. Because of his great love, because he's rich in mercy, he shows us this on the cross. That's why we, at Easter, we focus on the cross, as we should all year round, obviously. But Christ's death on the cross, it, it turned away God's wrath. It diverted it. And when you read the word atonement in your Bible, it's got kind of two aspects of meaning. And, and the long English words are expiation and propitiation, which are long words and hard to spell. <laughs> but they mean this, in essence, a sacrifice that turns away God's wrath. Okay? It diverts it onto Jesus. So it's not on you and me anymore. And it's an offering or a gift that restores peace. So Jesus dying diverted the wrath of God and restored a peaceful relationship with him. Amazing, hey? Isaiah says the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, was upon Jesus. And so when we accept this gift of salvation, it's a choice. It's a decision that we choose to receive. The Bible says we're made alive. What was dead comes to life. The power of God works inside us. We're born again or born from on high, John chapter 3 says. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Our spirits are regenerated. And in an instant, he cleanses us from our sin, removes our guilt and our shame. We're adopted into his family. We're part of the heavenly family. And Paul says, this is grace. You've been saved by grace. It's entirely of God. I love the acronym that someone came up with years ago for the word grace. You take the letters G-R-A-C-E. And they stand for God's riches at Christ's expense. Isn't that beautiful? God's riches 
at Christ's expense, grace. We can't boast, we can't claim that we participated in any way, we can't improve on it, we can't make it better, we can't add to it. It's perfect and complete, the salvation. And even more proof that it's God from start to finish, Paul says, while we were dead, while we were in our sins still, he died for us. We like, we had no clue. We were just enjoying our sin, doing our own thing, living our lives for ourselves. And he saved us not because we begged for mercy or cried out for salvation, but he saw our state, realized we had no hope, and took pity on us because of his great love and mercy. And so our salvation, friends, is it's totally free. We do nothing for it. We're not saved by our good works. We're saved in order to do good works. That's what Paul is saying here. Our good works don't get us closer to God. We need to know that. Doing good stuff, being a good person, doesn't get us closer to God. They're the result of his salvation. We're brought to salvation without earning it, without deserving it. We do nothing except believe. It's all about what Christ has already done. And that's unique to the Christian faith. Do you know that? Go and look at every other religion you can think of. There is none that says God has done it all for you. And all you have to do is believe. There's none. We're unique. Number four, we are God's handiwork, or some translations say workmanship. The word literally means fabric, like God's taken a piece of cloth and he's making it into something. He's busy working with us, like the picture of the potter and the clay. He's, he's made us. We're his workmanship. Big deal, Glendon. Didn't God make everything on planet Earth and in the universe? Yeah, he did. But, but we're different. See, it was only with mankind that God said, let us make them in our image. There's, there's nothing on planet Earth, the most beautiful flower, if you like, plants, like I do, or the most amazing animal or the most, for our animal-loving people, the most friendliest dog or cat or horse or, like, for those who love nature, the, like the galaxies, the stars, not even the angels can say, we're made in God's image. Mankind, though, we're special. We're different. We're made in God's, we're His handiwork. We're His workmanship. And you see that sin has marred us, has twisted, distorted, tainted, polluted, changed us and all the things we do, right? The result of sin in the world, messing up with us and the things we do, is the society we live in, where there's crime and murder and hatred and war and selfishness and racism and poverty, dot, dot, dot. It's the result of sin. The, the earth is busy dying, 
climate change, plastic in the oceans, whatever your environmental causes, because of sin and Satan polluting us and all the stuff we do. But when we're redeemed, that starts to change. We can walk in the good works God's prepared in advance for us to do. These deeds or labor, the Bible says, and they start to undo the impact of sin. They start to reverse what sin has done. They start to fix the brokenness. And as God's kingdom advances in our hearts, in other words, as we follow Jesus, he changes us. We become different. We become like him. And as he works in us and starts to work through us, it's like his presence comes. The life of God comes. His spirit comes. And all of a sudden, there's peace. There's joy. There's light. There's life. There's truth. The things that sin was doing start to be undone. Jesus says, I came to destroy the works of the devil. We start to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And it shows our colleagues start to realize we're different. And the atmosphere changes. We start to realize we have a purpose. God saved us for good work. There's a purpose for our life. And it's to help others to shine his light, to care, to love, to show mercy and compassion. To teach, to serve, to lead, to give, to prophesy. Referring to our gifted series that we've just done, hey? There's a purpose why God has made us. Friends, without question, every single person that you know, and if you're to close your eyes now and think of every person in your world, in your life, that you're in touch with in some way, I can promise you every one of those people are part of the good works God has prepared. He's put them around you because they are meant to be recipients of his grace through you. These good works prepared in advance. He's prepared them for you. And you and I are responsible for walking in them, good works prepared in advance, that we should walk in them. Just because he has an amazing plan doesn't mean we get to sit back and take it easy and do nothing and be passive. We are called to walk in them. We have to do them. They don't happen by themselves. So friends, let's, let's drink deeply of God's grace. By grace we've been saved. Through our faith in Jesus. That's not of our own. That we can't boast. It's the gift of God. It's free. He makes us alive because we were dead. The devil was out to get us. But, but God intercepted. God intercepted the wrath of God. And restored us to him. We're going to break bread now as we end the meeting. And maybe Vas and Kay can just come up and maybe we'll end with a chorus or something. But if you.